a uh, uh, cut from the current headlines, if you will. Have you seen this? At the end of February in the New York Times, not a place where we go to get theological information, but a place we go to kind of see which direction the culture is moving, what's sort of popular. New York Times ran this article at the end of February. Church of England considers gender-neutral gender neutral language for God. In other words, they are going to put before their congregants, put before their people, put before their boards, the idea of changing the language, be it in Scripture or the other things that are read and referred to about God, no longer calling Him Father, no longer referring to Him as he, right, because these are um, unfair, patriarchal, oppressive. These are, these are terms that, that we don't want to use, they would say. Now, listen, it's one thing to look at Scripture and see there's places where it says every man, but recognize what that means is everyone. And it's one thing to look at a place like in the New Testament when it would say, you know, brothers, this is, and recognize that it's saying Brethren, brothers and sisters, or like another thing, and we're going to talk about this in a moment, where it's like in the uh, Beatitudes or other places, John chapter 1, where there's a special right that we have to be called sons of God, and the women all raise their hand, well, wait, does that mean that we don't get to be part of God's family? No, children of God is the concept, the idea there, right? So there's times we see that there are things that, that Scripture is conveying certain ideas to us that means everyone it is to use this buzz term inclusive but that does not mean we are therefore allowed to change father to just generic parent and to remove terminology to father as a he or him because this is the way that he has referred to himself he's the way he's revealed himself to us in scripture and so that one of the things that some groups are doing is they are seriously considering uh, changing the terminology and what they use, no longer using masculine terminology to refer to the Father, just general neutral uh, to talk about God. Uh, I've seen and heard that part of the thing that happens is that what they do first, you start with the hymns, you start with the songs that are sung, and change those to gender neutral first. And then once those songs are embraced, once those songs are taken in, then it becomes more palatable, easier to take in to change the scripture and change the way that God has spoken of in the assembly. I was thankful to read that, you know, that song we sing quite a bit that we like, that we love, uh, In Christ Alone. I believe it was written by the Gettys that uh, one of these groups had said, they contacted them, do we have permission to change where you have he and him and those, can we change that to gender neutral language? And they said, no way. Good for you. Uh, they weren't allowed to, to change that language. They had written it about the Son of God, the one who follows and loves and submits to the Father. And that's not going to be changed. Uh, but one of the things they try to do is change the, the hymns before they change uh, the, the message in the Scripture. Um, so this is a, a current idea. It's a current thing that's being talked about. Like I said, New York Times just mentioned it back in February. And so we want to make sure that what we do is we look at Scripture and we recognize God being who he revealed himself to be, and we only identify him as who he wants to be known as. 
It is one of the most important things we could ever do is come to know God as he's revealed himself. And so here's what we're going to do. The first thing I want you to know is that there's a few blessings, a few things that are very special that come with being able to say that God is my Father. Like we did just a moment ago, when we went to him in prayer, the terminology that I used to bring all of our hearts and minds together and pray was our Almighty God, our Heavenly Father. It's a special thing to be a father, a special relationship. Because as much as it might be the case that we are to love all and appreciate all, be kind to all, you know, I hope that you know. I mean, we got, got these kids sitting up here, Luke and Madeline and Kennedy and Riley, Paul. These kids sitting here, I'll do anything in the world for them. But I just got three sons, right? There's something special about the one who can say, Father. Our relationship is different. It's different. The expectations that we have for each other are different. The level of comfort that we have with each other, it's different. The relationship that we have is different from all other relationships. I hope, Laura, I hope that her three boys know that there's things they can't say in front of their friends and other people that they can say to us. There's a level of comfort they can have with us they can't have with anyone else on the planet. Just us. This is exactly what's revealed here in Isaiah 63. There's a different type of relationship. Because see, in, in the Old Testament, you know, looking back at these times, you know, everybody had some type of a God. The Canaanites, the Egyptians, they all had gods. But they saw them as these distant, powerful, scary, strange beings. But in Israel, look, we're gonna, what we're going to read here in a couple of places, Isaiah 63 and Isaiah 64, you're going to see there's something different about this relationship. Isaiah 63, let's start reading together at verse 15. Isaiah 63, 15. Here's the plea from God's people to their God, okay? That's the direction, that's the setting you need to have. God's people speaking to their God. Look down from heaven and see from your holy and beautiful habitation where are your zeal and your might? The stirring of your inner parts and your compassion are held back from me. For you are our Father. Though Abraham does not know us, and Israel does not acknowledge us, you, O Lord, are our Father, our Redeemer. From of old is your name. O Lord, why do you make us wander from your ways and harden our heart so that we fear you not? Return for the sake of your servants, the tribes of your heritage. Your holy people held possession for a little while. Our adversaries have trampled down your sanctuary. We have become like those over whom you have never ruled. We've become like strangers. We've become like those that, that didn't know you. But that can't be the case of who we are because we're your children. You're our father. And so he says, we are like those who are not called by your name. We share your name. Like fathers and sons, like mothers and daughters do. We share your name. 
And so this is a very heartfelt plea. Restore us. Help us. Lift us up. Pick us up again. This is the kind of request that can only be made to a father. That's a special relationship. Go over just a little bit right there in Isaiah, this time chapter 64. Let's start reading at verse 8. Isaiah 64, 8. But now, O Lord, you are our father. We are the clay and you're our potter. We're all the work of your hand. So be not so terribly angry, O Lord, and remember not iniquity forever. Behold, please look. We are all your people. Your holy cities have become a wilderness. Zion has become a wilderness. Jerusalem, a desolation. Our holy and beautiful house where our fathers praised you has been burned by fire. All our pleasant places have become ruins. Will you restrain yourself at these things, O Lord? Will you keep silent and afflict us so terribly? See, again, this is the kind of thing that only children can come to their father and ask for. We need your help. We need your protection. We need your guidance. We need you as our father. They had a special relationship. Any and every time. Because here's, here's what I'm really trying to emphasize at this moment. It's how special this is. Because it can become routine. It can become second nature and old hat. Okay, it's time to pray. Heavenly Father, that's just the way we start things. Heavenly Father, instead of recognizing this is a conversation entered into by children to their father that has a relationship with them that no one else does. Special. Go to Psalm 103. You see another example here. Like I said, we're going to just, these will be the last few highlights in the Old Testament. There are not as many there, and then we'll go to the New Testament after this, but Psalm 103, let's start about verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his steadfast love towards those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far does he remove our transgressions from us. Now listen to this, verse 13, it's so sweet and special. As a father shows compassion for his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. For he knows our frame and he remembers that we are dust. He knows what makes us tick. In fact, he knows what makes us. He knows what we are. He knows who we are. And so the things that he seeks to get from us and ask us to do, it's the perfect father asking his children to do because he's the maker. But that idea there of like a compassionate father, like a father shows kindness and love to his children, that's the way our Lord, that's the way our God shows compassion to those who fear him. This is a special relationship reserved for those who belong to him, reserved for those who are part of the family. So special relationship is the first thing. The second thing is this, special blessings that are, that are ours. Not just a special relationship we enjoy, but they're special blessings we enjoy. Certain perks, if you will, that come from being part of the family of God, him being our father. Go to 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. 
1 John 3, verse 1, the Bible says, See what kind of love the Father has given us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it didn't know Him. Called the children of God. Identified as one that belongs to Him. That in and of itself is special, but the blessings just keep coming. Go with me now to Ephesians chapter 3. Ephesians 3, beginning at verse 14. Now listen to this. This is what the Apostle Paul says. Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that according to the riches of His glory He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, a special blessing reserved only for this Father's children. Special strength, he says. Verse 17, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth, and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly, this is our Father. Our Father really is. Now there's the old you know, jokes on the playground, and I'm not trying to be flippant when it comes to God, but just to help make the illustration of the jokes on the playground, my dad can beat up your dad, right? You remember those kinds of talks? We actually do have a father who has power and strength beyond all imagination. When we say, I serve a truly strong father, it's not just bluster. Look at what it says. So to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we might ask or think, according to the power at work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. It's to this one that Paul said, I bow before this Father. Well, then there's this, probably the most well-known passage. You're probably thinking of this right away. Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Maybe you'll be flipping in your Bibles to the Sermon on the Mount, the model prayer in Matthew 6. You remember when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray? He said, you pray like this. This is the approach you should take. Our, so we approach it as a family does together. We join hands together and say, you're my brother, you're my sister. Together we approach our Father who's in heaven. And we hallow His name. We recognize it as special and unique and beautiful our Father who's in heaven, we, we hallow and praise your name. Now here's, here's the thing that Jesus was emphasizing there. Not only about how to pray, but about the blessing of prayer. He would teach here and in other places. Remember he would tell us when they came to that widow, that persistent widow, teaching that they ought always to pray and never to faint. Then Paul would write as God about the Holy Spirit in 1 Thessalonians 5, pray without ceasing. We recognize we're to be the kind of people who pray and pray and pray. Because here's what we need to know. Here's why we can pray and pray and pray. It's because we have a Father who's always willing to listen. Anytime, anywhere, we can approach Him without fear. I think it was Tim Keller who said, uh, how did he put it? He said something like this, that the only one, the only one who can wake up the king at 3 a.m. and ask for a glass of water is His child right? 
Anybody else that goes into the king, hey, wake up, off with his head. <laughs> the only one who can go to the king in the middle of the night and say, I can't sleep, I need a glass of water. Only his kid can do that. I love the way that sounds. Because you and I can go to the father of the world, the creator of the world, and we have his attention. That's a blessing. Go, if you're in Matthew 6, just go over a little bit to Matthew 7 as we continue thinking about some of these blessings from, from the Father. Matthew 7, 7, Ask, it'll be given to you. Seek, and you'll find. Knock, it'll be opened. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. The one who knocks, it'll be opened. Or which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, you fathers who are evil, selfish, short-sighted fathers. If you know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask Him? It's a blessing for us to be able to approach our Father with our needs, to share those things that are bothering us, scaring us, confusing us, and we can bring those things to a Father who answers and blesses. One last one in this, in this area. Luke 15, we're all extremely familiar. We know forwards and backwards. We know the, the parable of the prodigal son in Luke 15. But for our purposes tonight, right now, of course, what we're thinking about is the role of that father. The one that when the child so callously, so wickedly, so selfishly demanded his inheritance early, he gave, and off goes the boy. But then that image of the father that when he sees his son a far way off, a long way off, rushes, embraces, covers, restores, starts the proceedings for the celebration. That's the father we have because we are rebellious children. We are runaway children. We are prodigal, wasteful, insensitive children. And so when we do come to ourselves and we come home, he blesses and embraces and restores. And that's a blessing. Last thing would be this. I want to see the connection, highlight, mention the connection. The way Jesus helps us relate to God as our Father. Because here's what we know. We're realistic about this. Not everyone has a great relationship with their Father. Not everyone has a great relationship with their Father. Might be due to untimely, early death. Might be due to selfishness and sin on behalf of the Father. Might be any number of reasons, but not all of us can just say, hey, we're going to talk about fathers tonight and go, oh, great. Thinking of fathers always just fills me with a great feeling inside. Many may think, I don't get it. I didn't know a father. I didn't love a father. I didn't have a father that loved me. We see that the reality is sometimes not everyone has a great relationship with the father. And so what we need is we need Jesus. We need Jesus to show us how special it can be. We need Jesus to show us how special it should be with our heavenly father. One of the examples is in Mark 14. Maybe turn in your Bibles there real quick. Go to Mark 14. In Mark 14, Jesus is going to be betrayed. 
He's there in Gethsemane, right? This portion of Mark 14, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane and he's, he's beaten down and He's pouring His heart out to the Father. Let's start reading it about verse 43. So Mark 14, 43. While He was still speaking, Judas came. Um, I'm in the wrong place. Not 43. I'm going to go up some. Sorry. Let's start at 32. 32. They went to a place called Gethsemane and He said to His disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter, James, and John and began to be greatly distressed and troubled. He said to them, my soul is sorrowful even to death. Remain here and watch. Going a little further, he fell on the ground and he prayed that if it were possible, the hour might pass from him. And now listen to this in verse 36. He said, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Remove this cup from me. Yet not what I will, but what you will. Jesus gave us the example of how it is that we're to be, how it is that we're to act. Complete and total trust. I trust you, Abba. I trust you, Father. You're the one. I trust you. And I'm, rele- I'm leaning on you. I'm relying upon you. If, if you don't see me through this, I don't get through this. I, can- I am counting on and trusting you. And so therefore, I will submit. Therefore, I will do whatever it is you call me to do. That's the way we are to view our Father. That's the way we are to speak and trust and follow our Father. In doing so, there'll be numerous uh, privileges. John chapter 1, we won't take the time to to read all this now. John chapter 1, beginning at about verse 9, we see that one of the special things about Jesus Christ coming to this earth is that He offers us, He allows us, He gives us the opportunity to become sons of God. In other words, he offers us the opportunity to become children of God. He allows us the rite of passage to become those who can look at the Heavenly Father and say, you are my Father. That's what Jesus offers us. In John chapter 20 at verse 17, Jesus said, now listen to these special words, I'm ascending to my Father and your Father. I mean, it would have been impressive if he just said, I'm ascending to the Father. But he said, I'm ascending to the one who's, who's my Father. He's also your Father, my God and your God. It's a special blessing. How could could wicked, sinful, selfish, lazy people like us be allowed into the throne room of this king? How could we be allowed into the throne room of this perfect father? How? Why do we get to call God our Father? Why are we afforded that privilege? It's not just because he's our creator. It's because, in addition to being our creator, it's because Jesus allows it to be. John chapter 15, verse 16. John chapter 16, verses 23 and 24. Jesus says, ask the Father in my name. I want you to look at that. John 15, 16. John 16, 23. Ask the Father in my name. Do you understand what that means? Remember, we've talked at great length in recent days about what it means to say in the name. Ask the Father by my power ask the father by my authority jesus says ask the father in my name ask him because i'm granting it and you'll be blessed colossians chapter 3 verse 17 has a different uh, feel to it when you understand it in that way 
Colossians 3, 17, the Bible says, whatever you do in word or deed, in everything, do in the name. Do everything by the power and authority of Jesus Christ, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Why do we get to call God our Father? Because of who Jesus is and what Jesus has done and what he continues to do. Jesus not only teaches us how to pray, Jesus gives us the privilege and the right to do so. Romans chapter 8, verse 14. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. But listen to what he says to us. I want you to take this promise, this message personally. You have received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we, we join with Paul. We join with the Christians in Rome. We join with the Christians in Philippi and Galatia and Jerusalem. We join with the Christians of all ages and say that we have been blessed to be able to say, Abba, Father. Let's not take this blessing for granted. Let's not cheapen or demean the name. Let's not cheapen or demean the role of the Father that our God is for us. Let's praise Him. Let's ask Him for help. And let's rest secure in His loving arms. The description in Galatians chapter 3, 26, 27, and then in Galatians 4, verses 6 and 7. You maybe just note those and then look at them later. Galatians 3, 26, 27, Galatians 4, 6 and 7. Because there's the idea there that when we are baptized into Christ, we are now given the right and the privilege and the joy of calling our God, Abba, Father. If you've not been baptized into Christ, you can't call him your father. So the question is, are you part of this family? Have you been washed in the blood of Jesus the Christ and now do you enjoy the blessings of saying, Abba, Father, help me and lead me? Is there any way that we can encourage you, any way that we can connect you with this loving, wonderful Father? Won't you come while we stand and sing?